Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless, wadeforwireless.com. Today, I want to bring you all the wireless news you'll need for wireless technology, deployment, tower industry, whatever. But today, I'm going to talk about something very specific, the FCC DAS and Small Cell Workshop, which just happened here first week of May, okay? Pretty exciting stuff because the FCC gathered together industry professionals to talk about what's going on in the world of DAS and the world of small cells for deployment out to the public because they want to know, they want to learn, and they want to improve the systems that are out there. But first, I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro. Tower Tracker Pro, they have a software package you can run from your iPhone for closeout packages. So you can close out step by step, get all the pictures right the first time, one site visit, then... Before your crew leaves the site, they can email it back to you or to somebody in the office, and they can verify that everything's correct, the pictures look good, and they filled out every detail that needs to be filled out. If you've ever done a closeout package, you know it takes a lot of detail to get it right. They have to make sure that they have all the serial numbers, they have all the sectors right, the, the color coding for the cables, they have to have document all that, take pictures, everything. Uh, one more thing, I have a newsletter. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. I have the the wireless deployment handbook it's an ebook i put out that covers CRAN, small cells and das deployments i thought you guys might like that i also want to put out a big thank you to tower safety and instruction at towersafety.com for all your tower instructional needs obviously tower training tower rescue cpr first aid but also from unmanned experts they partnered with on-man experts they have drone training that's right drone training for the wireless industry also, there's a TLBB, the Wireless Internet Interface for TV, so you can watch free movies, TV, sports, all through your internet box. And it's pretty cool because it has an HDMI output, so you can see it in high definition. And the input comes not from your cable company, not from your satellite, comes from the internet. So all you need is internet access. I also want to put a shout out to two groups that do a lot for the tower industry, for the wireless industry in general. One is the Hubble Foundation, hubblefoundation.org. We rely on them to help the climbers that are in need, the families after someone's been hurt or someone dies in the industry. I also want to thank the Tower Family Foundation, towerfamilyfoundation.org. They also help the families of climbers that have been injured or die at a job site. So it's it's something that's very important. So anyway, let's go on to a little better news here. I do appreciate those foundations and all that they do, but I want to talk about the FCC DAS and Small Cell Workshop 2016. This was a big deal because the FCC is looking for ways to improve broadband access to the USA, and for that I say thank you. I appreciate what the FCC is doing. If you missed it, don't fret. All six hours and 57 minutes are on YouTube. <laughs> So if you got seven hours of doing nothing else, you can watch it end then. I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to listen to a lot of it in day one. I, I've got other things to do. But I also did go back and I listened to different parts of it. But if you just want to see the slide decks that people sent in and presented at the show, it also is out there. I have the links in my blog, wadeforwireless.com. Just go there and you can get the links. So on FCC.gov, when it was live, it was on FCCLive.gov. But it's out there. You can get the slides and you can look at everything. So what do we learn? Basically, it's a great way to promote your company is to get on the FCC's website. That's the first thing I learned. 
And everyone, that was their job. They had to tell the background of their company and all the great things they've done in the industry. The other thing I learned is, for those of you that don't know, DAS is Distributed Antenna Systems, DAS. And it's mostly associated with indoor coverage, but I want you guys to know it's also outdoor coverage. They have outdoor coverage where they put radio heads and antennas everywhere for coverage. That's a big, important thing to remember. Also, the small cells are really a small BTS system. That's basically a base station for the uh, cell site. And it's very important that you remember all that because these are the two items that they're talking about because this is what's going to make a difference in the future for the dense networks. It's going to densify the networks and it's going to be the way that business gets done in the future, the wireless business because the macro sites are pretty well built, at least here in the US, you know what I mean? So we're gonna rely on another way to get the signal to the people. So why does the signal matter so much? Well, I'm gonna tell you why. Because nowadays we really rely on broadband coverage and not only broadband, but public safety relies on their frequencies to be available at all times, anywhere they go. That's where the small cell in the DAS system come into play. They bring the signal to the people. Going to give you an example. Let's start with public safety. So a first responder runs in a building. They're trying to talk to the people outside. You know, someone has to head in first to see what's going on, to rescue somebody, to put out the fire, to stop the shooter, something like that, to pull out someone that's injured when the ambulance gets there. All these people, if they don't have coverage inside, they can't call for help. So someone could be lying there injured. They have to run back outside and yell for help or wait till they get in radio coverage or go to another part of the building. That's a problem. That is why DAS is so important because we have to make sure that we have coverage everywhere for the first responders. It matters. I think normally it's NAG 95 dB. The signal has to be above that so they have coverage on the radios because they have mostly two-way radios. They don't have a lot of data. They usually rely on voice, real-time voice, so they can talk to the people you know that are outside or say the 911 center. It's very important that they have coverage at all times. The other thing that would help if they could track them at all times or if they had video, body video. I know in the military they set up their small micro networks to do the video. That's how they get the feedback on everything on a private secure network. Well, first responders, they just don't have the money to do that everywhere in the U.S., but they are trying. But the DAS systems should be provided by the building owner. And that's part of what this workshop was about. And you know what? I, I've researched a lot about public safety DAS here recently. I'm surprised how many municipalities have nothing written, no requirements or anything and it goes all the way up to the state now if you go to new york where you know they had to deal with 9-11 with with the world trade center or if you go to california that has a ton of problems <laughs> they both have it written in the state code which i think every state should have it and i'm sure there's a lot more states that have it like i, I would I didn't look, but I'm sure Texas has something, but I'm sure most states have something in there, but it needs to be defined very clearly. So when a building is built or remodeled or changed that the coverage inside a building, now when I say building, I'm not talking about a house here. Obviously a resident, a resident is gonna pay for that. I don't think, you know, maybe they would, but I think when you're talking a large building, multi-floors, or even a big warehouse, something where security might have to go in and rescue somebody, and it could be a life or death situation, there should be requirements put in place for the builder, the building owner, whoever's doing the work, that they know exactly what they have to put in. In other words, there's regulations put in for five, I'm sorry, yeah, for sprinkler systems. And that was an example that was brought up at this workshop. Someone brought up the way the progression of sprinkler systems were and how they help prevent fires, you know, or at least stop a fire, not prevent it, but they stop a fire from getting worse. They might prevent it from reaching another part of the building. And that's where this is key to what we're doing here. 
We need a way to make sure that the building owners know that they have an outline to know what to do to make the building as safe as possible. Sprinkler systems, they know what to do. There's a standard written. Now, if you look at different manuals, there is a standard written for how a lot of these systems should be installed, but they're not mandated by a municipality. That's a problem. And usually the person to do the checks, I believe, when I read this, was usually the local fire department. They would come out and just test a radio inside the building once it's built. They should do that regardless anyway. That should just be part of every inspection. You have an electrical inspector to come out, right? You don't want the building to burn down. You have a water inspector normally, or you have some type of inspector looking at the water connections. But you do have requirements. You have requirements out there. I think the electrical inspector, I know. But as far as the permitting and everything, there should be a requirement also for the wireless coverage for first responders in every building. I feel strongly about that. That was discussed here. It's something that we need in every hospital, in every large building, in every warehouse. They should have something. Now, I know you guys that have small businesses or small warehouses. I don't have a problem with that. You know, whatever you got, you got. I don't even know if you have sprinkler systems. But if there is a sprinkler system in the building, there should also be a DAS system to allow proper coverage, especially in today's environmentally friendly buildings, which usually have some type of filter on the window that won't pass RF. It blocks the sun, right? Keeps it cooler inside, but it also blocks RF, so you can't get coverage inside. All right, I'm off my high horse for public safety. I'm just shocked that there aren't more written requirements in more municipalities, or at least by state. You know, that's something the states should at least cover. Some do. New York, California, I know they do for a fact. Let's talk about carrier coverage. That's another thing that we need in the buildings, and the carriers no longer want to pay for every DAS system or small cell system that's put out there, so the scope of that is changing, but people do rely on phone coverage inside the buildings. There were a lot of examples given in this conference about who can do what. For instance, you can put a small cell in to cover a small area or a specific section of the building. Now, if you put a small cell in, usually it's one carrier, right? So it would cover a specific carrier, whoever you pick. These guys, the OEMs also talked about is when LTE U comes out or the 3.5 gig comes out, maybe multiple carriers can share something like that. That would be a viable alternative to putting their licensed ban inside the building. They could come up with that and then you would have a small cell neutral host system. Now, DAS depending upon the size of the building, is a cost-effective system where the carriers would put their BTS in and then it would just, let's say, it would go to the radio heads all around the building, radio heads and antennas, and that's how they would have coverage in the building. That's what you would do. That makes sense. So there's one way to get around this is to put a system in. Who pays for it? I'm going to tell you right now, the carrier spend on that is drying up quickly. They don't want to pay for every little building out there. And the one thing that CTIA made clear earlier, but they also talked about this, if you're going to treat broadband as a utility, you got to have a way to get broadband in the building. I think the perception nowadays, when they bring broadband into the building, they think of the telco room. In other words, now instead of a telco room, they have a data room. The data room will have fiber in it. What they need to think about is to go beyond the fiber to the wireless. Maybe that's what a lot of them want. They want wireless, but there have to be standards set to put the wireless in the buildings. Nobody wants to see the antennas. I get it. No one wants to see the, the box, whether it's a small cell or a DAS system. I get it. You can have stealth. You can put it up in the ceiling, assuming it is like that. When you're working in a city, an older city that doesn't have, you know, those false ceilings, you got to think how you're going to cover that. You got to do something, right? If you have cameras in there, chances are you have a way for the cameras to see. If you have smoke detectors, chances are you have smoke detectors everywhere. You got to have something for RF, even if the RF looks like a smoke detector. 
You got to have something there. The antenna is what I meant to say. The antenna looks like a smoke detector. If you want broadband coverage in your building, which I think most companies or building owners do because they want that, we got to figure out how we're going to set the standards for that. We got to figure out how we're going to get it out to the public. And we got to figure out how to make it look nice, work right, low power, be safe. There's a lot that goes to it. And if any of you think this is a challenge, think of electricity. I mean, think about the electrical systems in houses and buildings and businesses 50 years ago. And now think what they look like now. Think about the way the wires were insulated, the way the wires were run, the standards back then. And think about the standards we have now here in the U.S. It's very different. It actually improved quite a bit. So the reason I'm bringing all this up is because I thought this workshop was great. The FCC is trying to learn. They're trying to do better. They're trying to improve. And they understand a lot of the roadblocks out there. And I see a lot of them, especially with small cells. And this is with outdoor DAS. So let's look at outdoor they did discuss that. You have a lot of permitting, a lot of zoning, and a lot of standards you have to go by. Now, I know everyone's looking for the free site out there where they don't have to pay rent, you know, note sprint mobility, where they actually want to put just poles everywhere in the right-of-ways. And you know what? I, I think the municipalities would be okay with that. Just make it look nice. Don't put up a piece of ugly crap out there. And don't put up something that's noisy in a residential area. If somebody lives on a street, they don't want to hear fans running all night. They don't want to hear buzzing and clicking. They want it quiet. So there you go. There are your requirements. Make it look nice and make it quiet. Make it blend. Now, I know when a lot of you guys look at these old poles with all the wiring, wires hanging off of them from the old, uh, you know, the electrical and the cable and so and telco, maybe there you can put your box there and you don't care what it looks like. But the way most cities are, if you want to be in a nice area like uh, downtown Atlanta, they have a lot of nice areas. Uh, Manhattan, nice area. Brooklyn has a lot of nice areas. Downtown LA, San Francisco. Use San Francisco because that was a case study they had out in the show. They want it to look nice. A lot of historic districts, you have to deal with it. The other thing they talked about was getting power everywhere, getting backhaul everywhere. All issues with outdoor. Indoor, very similar issues, although indoor you can usually run fiber to a building. It's fairly straightforward and easy, but it takes time. It costs money. Same as electrical. There's usually electrical in a building. You probably still have to run your own feed. These are all expenses that make small cells and DAS more expensive per bit. When you look at the macro site, you put it all in, it's there for a long, long time. However, it ain't free. Chances are the carriers don't own the tower. That costs money. They don't own the backhaul. That costs money. They have to pay for electric. That costs money. It all costs money. When you come down to the small cell and the DAS level, it's cheaper, obviously, but you're hitting fewer customers. You're getting a smaller bang for your buck. Now with DAS, like in an arena or a stadium, it's pretty big. You can do a lot there, but with small cells, it's a very small concentrated area that you're trying to cover specific customers. Who pays for that? Personally, I think it's about time we, we do start sharing the cost with the enterprise, the building owners, and so on, because the carriers aren't going to do it. The carriers want the coverage, but they won't do it. But for the carriers to agree to this plan, they have to find a way to free up the small cells so other people can put them in. The OEMs have to come up with a reliable, dependable plug-and-play so we can start putting these units in the building. That's what I'm saying. All right, that's all I got for now. Be smart, be safe, pay attention. Don't be complacent. That's when we all get lazy. You know what I'm saying? We want to be creative and innovative. See ya.